Hey Church, thank you for taking a moment to listen to God's Word today. Right now we are in a series of Mission Possible where we will get to know the heart of God more deeper for our church. Hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you and your family. I had a vision. I saw a dark and stormy ocean. In that ocean, I thought I saw multitudes of poor human beings plunging and floating and shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And out of this dark, angry ocean, I saw a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the stormy seas. And all round the base of the rock, I saw a vast platform and on this platform I saw with delight a number of the poor wretches continually climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw that some of those who were already safe on the platform were fervently helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach safety. But something puzzled me. Although they had all been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, the memory of its darkness and danger no longer troubled them. And what was equally strange and perplexing to me was that most of these people did not seem to have any care, that is, any agonizing care, about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their eyes. But then I saw something wonderful. I saw a great being from above come straight from his palace, right through the dark clouds, and he leapt right into the raging sea among the drowning people. And there I saw him toiling to rescue them until the sweat of his great anguish ran down in blood. And he was continually crying to those already rescued, to those whom he had helped with his own bleeding hands, to come and help him in the painful and laborious task of saving the lost. But the strangest thing of all was that those on the platform to whom he called were so taken up with their trades and professions and money-saving and pleasures and families and community and gatherings and religions and arguments about it that they did not respond to the cry that came to them from this wonderful being who had himself by his spirit gone down into the sea. And so the multitude went on struggling and shrieking and drowning in the darkness. And then I saw something that seemed stranger than anything that had happened before in this very strange vision. Those whom this wonderful being cried out to to come and help him in his difficult task were always praying and crying to him to come to them. Some wanted him to come and stay with them and spend his time and strength in making them happier. Others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings they had concerning the truth of some letters which he had written them. Others wanted him to come and make them feel more secure on the rock, so secure that they would be totally sure they would never slip off again. They used to meet and get as close to the rock as they could, and looking towards the mainland where they thought the great being was, they would cry out, Come to us, come and help us. But all this time, he was down among the poor drowning creatures, crying to them in a hoarse voice, Come to me, 
come and help me. And then I understood it all. It was plain enough. That sea was the ocean of life, the sea of real, actual human existence. Those multitudes of people struggling in the stormy sea were the billions of sinners from every race, language, and nation. That great sheltering rock was Calvary, the place of the cross. And the people on it were those who had been rescued from sin and hell and who professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. That mighty being who called to them from the tempest was the Son of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is still struggling to save the dying multitudes about us from this terrible doom of damnation, and whose voice can be heard above the music and machinery and noise of life, calling on the rescued to come and help him save the world. My friends in Christ, you are rescued from the waters. You are on the rock. Jesus is in the dark sea, calling on you to come and help him. Will you go? It's a joy to be here this morning uh, to open the Word of God this, uh, you know, special Sunday, you know, uh, this season of missions, uh, on the theme of missions. And uh, this is a great joy for me personally, you know, to be here. Um, uh, you know, to, to begin, I want to place a, out there in the front that God is a missional God has always been missional. He has not gotten missional recently. He always is a God on a mission who has a purpose. His whole creation was a mission. And the mandate given to man and woman, you know, Adam and Eve, was a mission to multiply and to dominate. You know, uh, all through, all, all of his work is missional. He knows where he wants to go. He has, uh, a, you know, a plan, a purpose behind everything he does. And then, uh, beginning with the, uh, from Genesis onwards, we see God's people that God calls or also call for a mission, call for a purpose. Uh, you know, nobody is called uh, for a no purpose. <laughs> Nobody is called to just exist. Every one of them is called for a definite purpose, a definite plan to do that part which fits into God's overall scheme. You know, uh, uh, from Abraham onwards, uh, all the way down, all the way down. Uh, from the beginning, you know, uh, you know into Moses. Uh, you know, everyone, I'm not going down, down the line, uh, Joshua, David, Solomon, everybody was given a mission which fit into the larger mission. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then, of course, Jesus came to earth on a mission. <laughs> uh, 
Son of God was sent for a mission because God cared so much for the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not die but would live. So God sends Jesus on a mission to earth. Salvation for all is a singular mandate of Jesus. Forgiveness for sins. Singular purpose, singular goal. One goal, one goal, one goal for the coming of Jesus. So he could redeem the lost. For us believers sitting in, in a great, uh, you know, Bible teaching church like this, those are easy words to toss around. Those are huge things for the one who doesn't know the name Jesus. Salvation, redemption, forgiveness of sins, common word, every other word is sparkling in our community of faith. But for the one who is standing before gods that don't answer, gods that did not create the heaven and the earth, whose time is up, for them the name of Jesus itself is enough. That's all they're asking for. They don't need the theology behind it. They don't need the explanation behind it. All that they are crying out for, for the name above all name, the name that can redeem them from their darkness. See in Romans, Paul says, you know, um, you know, the wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I want to do something. I end up doing something else. The thing that I didn't want to do, I do. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. I don't want to do something. I end up doing that. I want to do something. I do the opposite. I don't want to do something. I do this, that thing that I didn't want to do. Opposites come. My desire is this, but I end up doing the one thing I want to run away. I don't want to go to this place. I want to go here. I want to be good. I end up going to that house. I end up watching that site. I don't want to do this. I end up saying that word. The cry of man. All through humanity. All over the world. All straight of life. I don't know what to do. I can't stop doing the thing that I'm doing. You know, is there any help out there? Is there anybody out there who can help? Jesus. Jesus, you and I know. Jesus. Jesus. Because we were there once. We were there recently. When we also struggled similarly. Not wanting to do, but we end up doing. And Jesus came again. The secret is Jesus, my friend. And so Jesus came on a mission, singular mission. And then Jesus gave us a mandate on his, uh, you know, after his death and resurrection, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And, and whoever, you know, whoever, uh, you know, let's read that. Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. 
I think it just ends right there. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. All the world. Call of God on us all. Singular mandate for us. Singular mandate. There is no other mandate given to us that even comes close to it. There is no other mandate given to us, honestly. This is a singular mandate. All other things are all peripheral things. This is the core of everything else is actually supportive of this, this one mandate. Go into all the world. See, where are we going? You know, how many of us have family overseas? How many of us have relatives overseas? You know, let's be honest. Friends and family overseas. Okay. How many of them are missionaries? Any missionaries in that number? No. How many of them have gone for a better life, for jobs? You know, like no, probably all. Go into all the world to accumulate. It doesn't say that. See, something is intrinsically wrong. Intrinsically wrong in what, what's happening. See, the 17th, 1700s and 1800s, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the UK, England that ruled the world, it was said the sun never set on her empire because in some part of the world, her empire was actually in the day. <laughs> it was just starting day while it was setting in England. Somewhere in the far east, you know, it was just rising. So sun never set. There was always a part of the kingdom of England that was, that was day. Wealth of the world was coming to it. They controlled the sea lanes. You know, trade was obviously through the ships. Ships needed protection. There were a lot of pirates. They controlled ports all along ship lanes. They had conquered and they had dominated, traded and bought into some countries, bought into uh, the ports they were controlling. All the way, all the way, uh, all the way to, to, you know, to Japan. All the shores where they stationed their navies and they guaranteed safety of traffic for goods and in return they collected tax safety wealth of the world was coming to them and on top of it they charged tax for safety and then they conquered nations wealth of those nations were coming in this was a good time to live in england this was a good time to be citizens to live there because the wealth of the world was coming to you, to your nations. You know, an average uh, smart, you know, student could, you know, could very easily get a very good job. Because you, they, you know, they were looking for people to rule, to manage finances, manage all the trade, manage all the coming and the going. And of course, they were looking for men and women to rule the nations. Families to go on behalf of England 
you know, to rule in far places as their administrative offices. You know, do you know in India during the peak of their domination of India, there were only about 1,200 offices. There were only 1,200 offices, highest offices. There were only 1,200. The rest were all soldiers or of, you know, or actually of, you know, lower cadres. Officers were only 1,200. Just imagine uh, their strategy of dominating such a huge nation. You know, so like that. At that time, rather than living there and receiving and enjoying, one group of youngsters left England to go to far corners, believing this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. <laughs> they were called fools by their countrymen. They actually were called fools. They probably were fools. For many of them, many of them, they were, they were told, hey, wealth is coming to us. The nations of the world are at our feet. Their kings and their children are all, you know, kidnapped and studying in our schools and colleges. Their future leaders are all trained by us in the British systems in England. Our, our kings and, you know, their princes were all there. Why are you going? Oh, I want to go. Well, if you are reaching for travel, go as an administrative officer. Go as an army captain. Go as a naval officer. You could rule, you could dominate, and then you could also do on the side. No, God's calling us to do this, Papa. Mom, you know, God's calling us to be an evangelist, to go to this tribe that doesn't know the name of Jesus. I've received from him. I've been forgiven so much. How can I not go? Fools, fools, fools. Mouthed by many a mother and grandparent and father and relatives. Such a bright thing being wasted. If I had known, I wouldn't have given my daughter to you, man. So many variations of that would have been spoken. I mean, just imagine, put yourself as a fly on a wall in a house, wealthy, father being probably a big officer in the government or a big businessman, money is coming in, trade from all over the world, you know, transacting. And the son wants to go to the Far East as a missionary. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, you know, do any reconciliation with this word except obey. You know, you know, he couldn't solve this, solve this puzzle. <laughs> he couldn't jump this verse. Go into all the world, the Holy Spirit, you know, prodding him, prodding him day and night, pursuing him. I mean, see that conversation in that house. You know, I support 100 missionaries in, on your behalf. You stay here. You're the only one I have to, to, you know, to take all of this. All of this I did for you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Who taught you this? You know, bring me that pastor. Bring me that, you know, small group leader. Whoever it is. Whoever it is. Who's that evangelist? <laughs> 
who's mesmerized you. Bring me that person. Thousands, thousands and thousands of students stop their studies midway. From late 1700s to late 1800s, they say about two to two and a half lakh youngsters left British shores to far corners. Many, many through London, uh, through, uh, through London Missionary Society, uh, starting with Carey, 1793, he, he was instrumental in starting uh, the London Missionary Society. Starting with that, many movements sprang up. CMS, SPCK, Society for Proclamation of the Gospel uh, to the Far East or something. CMS, Church Missionary Society, uh, so many. First, it was non-denominational, then became denominational groups sending them mission agencies. All over, all over the world, almost two and a half lakh youngsters, and and many of them, many of them. This is true. Go and do your uh, Google research. Uh, we're called one-way missionaries. We're called one-way missionaries. They knew they will never come back home, and some of them were crazy enough to pack their suitcases in coffins, wooden coffins. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, no, I'm not exaggerating. There were missionaries who left England with their clothes and stuff in a wooden coffin and carried it as a suitcase. Instead of a suitcase, their suitcase was a coffin because they knew it was to confirm for them, affirm for them, remind them the journey that they were on. They were going to black fever areas where they knew all who are landing are dying. You know, there's one guy, Milne, going into Fiji Islands, two, two people. And the ship captain tells him, hey, you're going to die there. Do you know you're going to die here? He said, um, we are already dead when we boarded the ship. You know, the ship captain saying, this is your last chance to turn back. You're going to die on landing there because this place is full of disease. You know, we were dead when we boarded your ship, sir. I mean, far beyond our imagination. Far more than we have ever heard or understood. Men and women. I mean, take the life of Carey, William Carey. His own life, uh, cobbler, became a, a father of modern-day missions. Lands in uh, Sarampo. Actually, the British, when they know hear that he's coming, they don't give him permission to land. So uh, the captain at night hires a boat and puts them on a boat and sends them to Sarampo, not to Calcutta, but to Sarampo, further up Hooghly. So he can avoid the the uh, the British outposts. The British don't want missionaries <laughs> because it, it's bad for trade. 
it'll make the locals uh, riled up the bengalis were not too thrilled about uh, people coming with the gospel so he was smuggled in he was done that many times in fact once when he was in british territory the british army came to arrest him the dutch who were also in the neighborhood heard about it and gave him a dutch passport on the spot they gave him a dutch passport william carey and the entire clan you know uh, you know they were actually citizens of the royal majesty the dutch <laughs> they are under our protection when the british soldiers arrived they see this they are angry when did you become a dutch citizen so they couldn't do that i mean i mean can we even imagine that kind of a choice before us which we would change passports for betterment of life would we change passports for the sake of the gospel to escape from your own countrymen <laughs> from 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 your own people i mean these are true things his wife they lost a son they lost three children next you know short duration wife loses her health mental health in fact at the baptism of felix their first child she has to be chained in fact later on if you've been to sarampur do take a trip to sarampur when you go to calcutta just half an hour 45 minute ride uh, across the you know hugli uh, 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 bridge sarampur and their carry house uh, uh, the big uh, you know the carry bible college is there inside that is the carry chapel and is the uh, the pulpit where he spoke he preached you know 20 30 years that he was there behind that behind the altar behind the stone wall is a place where a ring there they'll show you i've been there we've been there uh where they had to tie his wife every time he went on stage to preach every time he preached the word of god she would go nuts she would scream she'll be there until then but the minute he was supposed to preach they had to quietly lead her and they had to actually wrestle her tie her and lock the door how many of us could do that just just the thought of that your beloved locked up so you can preach we would probably still wrestling with god why god why did you bring us here what are you doing here here's a man of god he translated six bibles full bibles i, I so amazed at, at at what i saw bengali entire bible you know same in oriya marathi hindi assamese sanskrit full bibles and uh, i forget the numbers more than 12 or 15 uh, you know first time dictionaries first ever dictionary for hindi first ever sanskrit dictionary a nation got the first newspaper from him It was the first, and in twenty-nine other languages, 
parts of the Bible, New Testament, Gospels, different pieces in another 29 languages apart from the six. One life. One life, my friend. Oh, they're bringing exotic leather to England. I can make some amazing shoes. Great trade. Somebody probably did that. Somebody decided, I have received God so much. I've seen God do so much in my life. How can I not give back to him? How can I not do his bidding? Going back, you know, I've jumped uh, uh, my favorite, uh, you know, hero, uh, Francis Xavier. Francis Xavier, see, in 1517, when the church went through the Reformation. You know, Martin Luther starts the uh, ball rolling and then uh, the Reformation happens. Churches split between the Catholic and the protesting group. The ones that say you're saved by grace and by faith alone. And the other that said all these norms, all these religious outward symbols continue but then quietly right after luther within the catholic church came a, a counter reformation that's called counter reformation it's very very less known about it to us protestants but those who have studied it it's very much there and the front end of the counter reformation was actually the jesuits loyola francis xavier and five others met regularly for prayer in the University of Paris, all from different countries. Out of the seven, four are from Spain. Francis Xavier is also from Spain. He is a party animal, a rich family, comes to Christ through Loyola, who has returned from uh, the Crusades, going to Jerusalem to fight the Ottomans. And he is injured. He comes back a believer. And he sets on fire these seven and they together call form a society of Jesus that's what Jesuits are and Francis says to them give me the hardest nation and they say far Indies is the hardest part of the world so he chooses to come to India he takes a boat from Lisbon the king of Portugal is ruling at that time you know, this is slightly before the British, 1500s. The, uh, the Portuguese are the masters of the ocean. They are dominating the ocean. They have their base in Goa, Cochin, Tutukuran, and up, you know, Malacca, and so on. So uh, all ships will leave from, from Lisbon because Portuguese army, you know, navy will give protection. So he's there waiting for a ship. The king falls in love with him, uh, with his, his servanthood. Uh, the king invites him. I need to watch. Uh, the king invites him for a meal. He'll go there, not eat, wait for the king and all his guests to finish and say, are you all done? And when they say, at the, at the end, when they say, whenever it was, we are now done, he'll gather all the leftover 
take it and give it to the poor and then he'll beg for his own food. That was Francis Xavier. Came to India, landed in Goa, uh, 1542. 1542. And uh, walked shore of India all the way to Cape Comoran to Chennai. Back to Cape Comoran to Goa. He did that about four times. On the coast where the unwanted people of that time, the land, landless people, you know, people of who had land were in the inlands where there was river, over the sea, looking at the sea, salt lands, you know. Nobody needed that and those, those were the unwanted or the outcasts. He walked amongst them. He recited, he, he would lead them in the Lord's Prayer and the Nicene Creed and whoever uh, was able to recite was baptized. See, the coast of India from Goa all the way to Chennai is actually a big Christian coast. One man, one man, he opened up Japan, he opened up Sri Lanka, he, he went to Macau, he died in Macau. The reason I'm telling you is, as we heard from Billy Graham, the time is now. See, the world, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you see in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 14, um, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Complete. As the waters cover the sea. Can you find one part of the sea, under the sea, that the water has not covered? Can you imagine one little point that in the entire ocean below the water level, where the water has not gone. None. That's the equivalence given here. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. Glory. Not just knowledge. Knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That means all would have seen his awesomeness. And his power, that he is a God of impossibilities. Nothing can stop him, nothing can thwart his plan. See, that is, that is ahead. That is ahead. In Daniel also we saw, if you remember the statue, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of statue. And then Daniel sees this stone that was not cut with human hands. Come and strike that statue at the feet and the statue is gone. And then this stone becomes a mountain filling the whole earth. You know, do you remember that verse? You know, but the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The meaning of that, a kingdom which will never be destroyed. A kingdom which will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. That's the kingdom of Jesus. A statue, a stone, not cut with human hands, not born with human, uh, you know, 
you know, way or means. That is a, a work of God. The zeal of God is doing this. And you know, can't you see the whole history, the story of man is coming to an end. Do you see that? Do you see that? It's up ahead. Don't let the marketers tell you that it's all about to just begin. That good times are here to stay and it's all beginning. No. The end of time is here. End of time is here. As, as in the days of Noah, God grieved why he had created man. God is grieving. The sins, the abominations that are on the earth have reached the heavens. He's, he's visiting and revisiting in, the, in this season, in this final, final end. He's looking for men and women who will be his champions. Don't you hear that? He's looking for champions. Not champions who are champions. He's looking for nobodies who, who he can make as champions. He doesn't want the wanted and the most, you know, adored. He wants the neglected and the unwanted and says, come then everybody will know it's me. Where are you this morning, my friend? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? See, Revelation again says, 11.15, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Very near, very near, very near. Are we asking for lot? This is the time to ask for much. I want to give you an example. Acts chapter 27. Paul is arrested being sent to Rome for trial before Caesar. The ship is under storm. He says, don't go. Captain listens to others. Long story short, they're in trouble. 14 days they have not eaten. It's been, they've, they've been caught in the middle of the core of the storm. 14 days. And 22, he says, you know, let me read. Acts 27, 22. It can escape our notice unless this is, this is really nailed in. So listen to me. Um, he says in 22, Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the Lord, of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. How does God grant to Paul all those who sail with him if he had not asked for them? Two hundred and next in 37 says, all of us in the ship were 276 persons. You know, take him out. He prayed for 275 people apart from him. He's the lowest in the ship. He's a slave. 
None, nobody else is a slave. They are sailors, traders, soldiers, captain and you know, whoever, government guys, whoever. He alone is a slave and he prays for 275 people above him. And God says, take it, you know, you ask for it granted. How many would you and I have asked if you and I were that one person amongst 275? I mean, we can't even get past our uncle and aunt and, you know, our cousin circle these days. Here's a guy standing on the gap. Lord, if they die, let them not die without knowing you. See, he asked for much and he got it, my friend. This is the time to ask for much, not for little. This, this time before end times is the time to ask and demand God of much. Where are you today? Where are you today? <coughs> In Luke 8, 18, 18, any of you, we should be disturbed about this. This is a quiet verse hidden away in there. Luke 18, 18. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth or the faithful on the earth? What does that mean? Very accurately, God has analyzed the coming generation, our times. Faith decreases. Nothing by faith, everything by sight. That's why the world is, is now and it's, it's going to be more. See, at the same time, Christ has given us a, 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 an invitation. John 14, verse 12, 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. The works that I do, he will do also. Mamma mia. Man, I mean, you should stop there. I mean, does it scare you? Does it disturb us? He's, he's just casually saying, Everybody, every one of us should do the works that he does. And he doesn't stop there. Greater works than these he will do or she will do. Because I go to the Father. I'm going to be there interceding on your behalf. I'm saying, where is that army of people who are doing what Jesus did and are asking for more than what Jesus did. Does it even disturb you anymore that this is not yet true in our life? Does it rob your sleep? Does it rob your appetite? Rob, rob you of other things? Whatever things that you know, you know can comfort. This should disturb us my friend. That's what God is aiming to do these days. Calling for men and women. Unassuming people are standing up to be counted. 
uneducated people rural people very old people very small people are standing up and being counted being counted who are doing great things Joel 3 13 and 14 multitudes multitudes in the valley of God's uh, judgment the judgment day is near valley is going to be filled of filled with people men and women men and women thousands and thousands and thousands beyond counting multitudes 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 in the valley of god's judgment who don't even know there's a judgment who don't even know why they are being hustled there because they never heard the gospel they never were told they never they don't know the name see the time is now as you heard the time is now the time is now sam can i have 5 more minutes see god is able god is able see about 30 years ago when we were living there in the us god very clearly speak to us it's now or never so we announced the next week to our family and friends and the ministry that we were working with and they actually all of all of them almost like they talked with each other and they didn't they called us fools they said you're just settling down you're newly married you don't have funds you are not ready but we were very clear that you know when god begins to confront you he doesn't back off very clear i wanted to ship some books so we were leaving in 2 weeks i wanted to ship some books long story short a container was made available to me by an indian shipper for a small fee because the books i had about 150 boxes of books that i wanted here it was going to cost more if to to mail it than by the container the container guy comes it's a 20 foot container and just 4 feet he stacked the whole thing up to the wall he said what next i said i don't have anything he said are you kidding i've never delivered a container like this empty you just have 4 feet you have another 16 17 feet 9 feet high what are you doing so he gave me the keys and said this is friday i'll come back monday fill whatever you want <laughs> i'll come on monday take the container to the port i didn't know what to do few friends who helped load with me that they, uh, they they were there uh, you know they said come richard let's let's go and see what 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 we can do so we go to salvation army and that day right outside salvation army they had put all these furnitures out for sale special sale on couches they said special sale discounted 100 dollar couch 10 dollars because they don't have place to put the couch in lot of people are donated old couches i mean they get old things and then they sell so we bought 13 couches i had 150 dollars i had 150 dollars i blew my 150 dollars on 13 couches we filled the container we didn't know why we were buying kind of couches but we got couches 
Two months later, lands in Tuticorin, gets out. We don't have place. We are borrowing a room in my brother's house. And it's in my brother's house, in my sister's house, another brother's house. You know, three houses are needed to put all these uh, couches. And their friends come visiting them. They sit on it. Oh, nice. Very nice. Nice. How much does it cost? Oh, it's my brother's. Well, just ask him what it would cost. We sold one couch a month. It supported us for one year. We had a child with it. We had no money. We had no money. We didn't know what we were doing. But God led us through a guy in New York who gave us a container for a small fee and a truck driver who said, I'll give you the keys. Who never did. <laughs> His entire truck was there with us. And then free, cheap couches, almost free couches available that day. And then doctors in Madurai buying couches for their living room for 25,000, 30,000 rupees uh, each. <laughs> I got it for $10. I took the stickers away. <laughs> $10, dash $10. The costliest one was $15. <laughs> the costliest one that I sold was 35,000 rupees. God never fails, my friend. Never fails. And talking about God's provision. This was years ago. In 2000, we had to go to the U.S. for a conference, CBMC conference. And so our passports needed uh, renewing. You know, it was at that time, Trichy. I don't know how many of you lived here. Trichy passport office was crazy. You was crazy. You had to uh, weather that thing like a pro. There were hundreds of hundreds of doubts, you know, were trying to make money off you. There were booths outside. There was police. It was, oh boy. And uh, it was crazy. All, like, no, all crazy in spite of us having a friend at the intelligence bureau here who actually sent his inspector to get us in. So we had come with his help. We had gotten how much we needed. Got the money was like some 2000 rupees for all four of us to get the passport done or something. So we had the money. We had borrowed a Jeep from my brother's ministry. We didn't have a car. Came here, did that. It was all day. We thought for half a day. We had lunch and about four o'clock we are leaving Trichy. And as we are uh, leaving Crawford, he says, we need diesel. It had costed more than what we thought. So the money I had was 350 rupees for a Jeep that needed diesel to go till Madurai. And I didn't have the money. You know, there were no ATM cards in my wallet those days. There was no ATM on those days in the country. It was getting dark. I said, go to the next bank. So next bank, he slows down. As soon as I see him slowing down, I said, no, 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 go to the next one. He looks at me and kind of uh, is asking, what are you doing, you know? And the next one, after 10, 15 kilometers, he doesn't even ask, he goes in. So he gets down and I give him 350 rupees. I said, go fill. Looks at the money, looks at me, looks at the money. And then I said, go pay, get that receipt, 
show to the guy fill so he, get, he gets it goes to the office pays the 350 get that chit and shows this to guy and the guy starts to put i think it was four or five liters you know maybe six liters halfway through suddenly there's a rain of diesel over the jeep there's the hose that was holding the nozzle breaks free and it's flying in the air like this like a snake guzzling out diesel owner comes running from across the street saying turn off the power turn off the generator of power power and the, because it could actually set thing on fire and so turn it off they fix it they wipe our jeep and then he calls this guy what are you standing here fill that sir's tank he says fill because he saw our chit the owner didn't see the chit he said fill the sir's tank i tell you and gave him a snap so he fills our tank for us all the time looking at us <laughs> We didn't give the jeep the next day to my brother's office. I said, we have three days worth of diesel in it. God can provide. He will not let you in the middle of nowhere. He will provide. He will provide. He always does. He always does. Are you disturbed that the kingdom of God is not here on earth? that it is not here as it is in heaven are you disturbed are you disturbed if you are you are in good company because god is disturbed he's looking for men and women young and old of all anybody who's available he's calling he's calling he will do the he will do the task he will he will go before us with us after us and all the work that we do anyway is actually in spite of us. Very little through us. I've discovered in this 30 years of my ministry journey. Most of the ministry that I do is actually very insignificant. Most of what God does is actually in spite of us. I'm actually a hindrance. He has to go around me half the time. But still he keeps me there in the front. He just wants our thumbprints on it so he can dance before the enemy and say, Hey, my child did it. My children did it. My children did, you know, they did this. You know, you know so he can boast before our accuser. <laughs> I want to challenge you. I'm done. He's recruiting nobody's. There's nobody to stand before the living and the dead. Numbers, you see Aaron standing between the living and the dead. The plague comes after the rebellion, after Korah and his family are taken. The next morning, people are rebellious again and the plague begins. And Moses tells Aaron, go take the, uh, you know, you know, approach the altar, take the censer and bring the incense and stand between the living and the dead. And Aaron takes his stand between the living and the dead and the plague is checked. Whether you go to far nations or whether you go to far nations on your knees, you can check the plague 
on your knees even sitting in your house you can move the hand of god through your knees my friend you can move the hand of god through your knees you know that was one of the requirements of the missionaries when they came here the mission boards had to be proved that this person could move the hand of god by not talking to any person but to god to move the hand of god that kind of champions are needed again champions of god who will stand before god and god and god alone known to god unknown to man known to god unknown to man my dad taught us he said child you know to children if there's one thing i want to teach you it's a life and ministry of being known to god unknown to god uh, unknown uh, known to god unknown to man not only a ministry but also your needs your struggles your pains your sufferings known to god unknown to man known to man doesn't make anything easy known to god and unknown to man god steps in full full time whole time because he knows it's unknown to man he takes he takes care of this lack some of you may be called to the mission field some of you may be already in the mission field in your workplaces some of you may be called to prayer ministry some of you for power encounters st- strategically standing between the dead and the living and claiming with authority given to you some of you may be called to support missions see the i have a photograph that i wanted uh, the team to say show of the pearl fisheries in tutukuran i've seen this uh years and years ago they don't do this anymore sadly uh when they were they would go underneath to get pearls see there are guys in the water going to get the pearls from the bottom of the sea the guy holding the rope they have a rope on which they're standing okay the guy holding the rope is normally his sister's hu- husband no the guy going in is the sister's husband the guy standing on the boat is the guy's wife's brother his brother-in-law is standing up is always a brother-in-law or a brother brother-in-law or a brother you know why when they have been there and they come back they are going to and a lot of time they faint see they go down all the way down you know there's a stone on which they'll stand and the rope goes down and then they'll go search for the uh, uh, shells and put it in a basket and they'll send the basket up then they'll stand again on the rope and they'll have to pull they'll be dead weight you know sometimes they are ready to faint and the weight increases because they they're not making it easy they're not helping and you know what it seems their hands will all be bloodied in just pulling that person in and you know what pulls them makes them get that 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 extra strength that they thought they never had is their image of their sister crying to them why did you not bring my husband back 
they say that image of the sister grieving the loss of her husband because he did not go further would bring them extra strength to pull them in missions need such rope holders for everyone who goes in trusting there needs to be somebody out there so some of you may be called for that god may be calling somebody with that task of holding the rope for a brother for a sister for a family for a church for a ministry so we're going to pray now i'm done father would you speak to your children as they search their hearts and you search their hearts lord you know where they are each one is the one that's being disturbed has been disturbed and you are comforting now you are clearing the way now the need is before us only the name of jesus will do and the name is not known father would you use the child that is offering himself herself this morning would you stand wherever you are if god is calling you into a into a life of missions whatever that be whether actually physically relocating or being here being involved in mobilizing or being in prayer or in strategic standing before and claiming life and hope or holding the rope for somebody whatever it is god is calling some of you this morning let the small things the minor things they will be taken care of if there were hesitant ones in the 1700s we would not have received the gospel today we would be standing before wood and stone my friends my friends please see what god can do in your life don't worry about what is before you he will take care of all those things hope that this sermon is a blessing to you and your family if you would like to support our ministry please log on to kingcitychurch.org/give hope to see you next week with a new inspiring sermon